0: watch our service online uh we we took up three thousand six hundred dollars this morning so that's coming your way and if you so if you weren't here or you um uh didn't remember to bring money make sure you just do that online and we can hopefully add, add to that as well to see so bless you guys Andrew Jan. hopefully we'll hear from you next week Okay, so uh, as you know, this year I've been preaching on the kingdom of God, and we've been really looking at Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 3. And, you know, if if you are like Diane and are in God's kingdom, if you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you are in Christ, then you're part of God's kingdom, and you're not actually of this world. The Bible uh, tells us that we're foreigners, we're aliens. Also says that we're ambassadors in this world and we're here to keep advancing God's kingdom in this place. And one of the uh, key aspects about God's kingdom that I want us to look at this morning is that God's kingdom that we advance is a kingdom of love. It is a kingdom of love, and we're going to discover this in chapter 3 as we go, go through it. And chapter 3 is an incredible, or actually the first three chapters in Genesis, they are so full and rich and potent with, with uh, doctrine and theology and aspects of our Christian faith. And there's just so much that we can take out of these chapters. And, and just about every theology that we have, we can see the seed of it somewhere in these chapters. And uh, so choosing what we focus on is always a bit of a challenge. So this morning it is going to be talking around love, and uh, one of the things that I, uh, when I was a new Christian, I, I l- like to delve into what what things meant, and I'd just I'd say, okay, I've delved into this topic, and I'm finding all about this, and so this is what this actually means. And it, and as I do that more and more, I find I just get a little bit off balance, and I realised. Actually, what we need is for most things, there's sort of like uh, things at the, each end of the scale that we have to get really good understanding, and you start putting them in tension. And as you have those sorts of things in tension, you get really good understanding. Then I discovered that actually, um, that's not quite enough to get a real understanding of something. There's normally about three aspects, and I love Venn diagrams, I love the way that they sort of come together, and in the middle, you've sort of got the completeness. Of it And love is one of these things, you know, we have the Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to fully really get to know God, you need to get to know the Father and you need to go get to know the Son and you need to get to know the Holy Spirit. And when we come to love, there, there are three key aspects, and I, I like to call them pillars for love, and one is truth, one is justice, and one is mercy. And we're going to look at these this morning, but a bit of background because we've uh, just remind us in chapter 3, because we looked at that last time I spoke that, and we, we under the heading that the battle lines are drawn, and we looked at uh, the first man and first woman, uh, tempted by, by the serpent, and they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and ate the fruit, and this was actually the worst day for mankind, the absolute worst day. I mean it could have been the very first day that man existed on the planet. We don't we're not told how long they were there with God before they actually fell to the temptation of the serpent. If it could have been the very first day and it all turned to custard and every bit of pain and every bit of suffering that we've had ever since on this planet is because they made that choice back then. They chose that they Even though they had been created in the image of God, they thought there must be more. And they decided that they wanted to be in charge of their own destiny, deciding what was right and wrong, and eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil to decide what was right and wrong. And the net result of that wasn't that they got better, it's that they felt exposed and they felt shame. And God comes in on the scene, and this is where we're going to pick it up. So the first thing we're going to look at is the aspect of truth. And if you join me in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate it. You know, we're not great at interpreting circumstances. The first man and the first woman, they had messed up badly, and that what they went and did is hid. They hid from God. They could have actually run to God and sought his forgiveness and said, God, we have messed up so badly. We don't know what the outcome of that would be if that had been their response, but no, they hid, they were afraid, they were full of shame. And I think that we can be the same as well. Circumstances take place in our lives, things that we do, things that happen around us, and we can be poor interpreters we have uh, Denise and I have three children, they are grown adults now, and they are great friends of ours. they are f- really good friends with each other. That didn't seem to be the case when they were young. It always seemed that there were two of them fighting you know. They'd always mix up who was fighting who, but you, we never seemed to have a break where two weren't fighting. We tried instituting a, a rule at one stage that, uh, you know, we tend to try and let them sort themselves out, um, help them to grow up and sort out their own issues with each other. Um, but we had to step in, a, and so we instituted a rule at one stage and said, if you hit, it, if you hit one of your brothers or sisters, then it's going to cost you five bucks. The problem with our kids is that the thought getting hit was worth five bucks. So they, <laughs> <laughs> so they, they would encourage each other to um, <laughs> get more upset with them. It, uh, <laughs> one, of our, uh, one of our kids decided that they wanted to get one of the others in trouble. So they went and wrote the other kid's name on one of the walls. And of course, the child whose name was written on the wall got in trouble. It wasn't until years later <laughs> that we discovered the truth of the situation. And we can be really poor at interpreting circumstances. We think we know what's going on, but our interpretation can be, can be quite long, quite wrong. It's really easy for us to believe lies. Yet when God brings revelation to us, revelation of truth, which he did with the, with the first man and woman, when he started asking questions, what's happening here? And got them to actually start opening up about what, what had gone on. He's starting to let truth come out. And when God reveals truth, it makes a difference. When God reveals truth, it makes a difference. When when the Holy Spirit or Jesus or the Father speaks truth into your life, it brings freedom, it sets things free. God's truth makes a difference. When we receive it, it brings clarity and it brings freedom. God loves us so much that he'll reveal truths so that we can come to a place of repentance. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. If you hold to my teaching, to my truth, if you listen to what I'm saying, you are really my disciples. And if you're doing that, if you're listening to my truth, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, lies limit. Our poor interpretations of of circumstances limit us. They bring confusion and they bring shame. That's what the devil does. But, but for love to be exercised and for us to re- receive love, we actually need truth. Because truth brings freedom. It really does bring freedom. Lies limit. They bind us up. We need God's truth. However, you know, I've talked about, we're going to look at three pillars this morning of, of love. Truth, justice and Mercy. And what I have discovered is that for each one of us, we already understand aspects of these three pillars, but there's one that we will always all favour, and for some it will be we will favour truth, for some will favour justice, for some will favour mercy. And for people who tend to favour truth over the other two, you know, we're not God, God has complete balance in all three, we, we are a work in progress. And for us who tend to favour truth over the other two, my experience is that we tend to get a little bit more religious. The rules start becoming the important thing. If people are going to get better, they need to follow the rules. We uh, we have... Um, we started our company, my brother and I and father started our company in 1984, and we, Tony and I were reflecting earlier this year that we've had well over a hundred people go through our company. where We've employed them and, and they've moved on for various, various reasons, and uh, uh, quite a few years ago we started doing a psychometric test as part of our employment process, looking at personality traits of people, and one of the things that we test for is tolerance. And we we it shows up and scores tolerance, and it's comparing you know, the test that we use. It compares people against everyone else who's done the test. And and so uh, we've had we've employed a few people who score really low in tolerance, sort of around the two and the four mark. And they are people like that. They are very rule focused, very truth focused they they want things to be right and they don't care who gets hurt in the process of getting things right and in a couple of those cases we've ended up having having uh, issues around bullying and that sort of thing that have had to be dealt with as a company and it's not fun dealing with that sort of thing but truth is incredibly important but out of balance it too can start putting barriers around people and starting actually shutting people down and starting focusing on rules. We actually need all three pillars operating with each other. Do you get that? But receiving God's truth by spending regular time with Him, by reading the Scripture and understanding Scripture, and it's one of our focuses for the year ahead, is just really getting deeper into the Word, hearing what God actually says about situations and circumstances and then spending time in prayer and listening to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and minds or having people minister to us and allow God to to speak through that and God revealing truth it springs freedom into our lives things that once bound us set us free or we're set free from And as God speaks truth to us, we will learn to speak truth in love to others. Okay, The second pillar is justice. So let's jump back into chapter 3 and from verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat You will eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you will return. We know justice is important. I think all of us I mean, even a child knows that justice is important. Who's had their kids say to them, it's not fair? My response when my kids said that to me was normally, when have I ever told you that life's fair? But we know that we need justice to take take place. You know, when we are wronged, we want justice. Being in business, I've had the privilege of having a number of new cars through the years and... Quite a few years ago, I got a brand new car, a Nissan Bluebird it was back then, so it's going back a few years ago, and uh, I think I got the car on the Friday, and on the Saturday I went, I was in my running days, and I went to one of the club events, it was, we are running from a church on Fendleton Road, and so I parked on one of the side streets, went for the run with the club, had afternoon tea there, came back to the car, and some blighter had driven into my right rear tail light, damaging that corner of the car, and they hadn't left a note or anything on the car. You know how, when you get something like something that's new and uh, you know it's just got all that sense of excitement and all, all that, ah, I'm just really enjoying this. When someone runs into the back right corner, it sort of all that deflates. I had all sorts of justice thoughts going through my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can relate to that. We know we need justice. And, and you know, if justice doesn't occur, we, re- we start to realise, well, actually, it's, love isn't taking place. Justice needs to happen for love to be there. You know, the serpent tricked Eve. Have you ever wondered why Eve, or actually, sorry, she wasn't Eve at that stage, she was the woman. Have you ever wondered why the woman even was listening to the serpent? You know, we get, I don't know about you, I get this image that the, the serpent, which we, theologians uh, say it could have been uh, the devil himself, or it could have been the devil using the, the animal or the serpent as a tool which then, of course, you've got speaking serpents. Um, but the have you ever wondered why on earth the woman was listening to it? You know, we, we come from our end of the scale, or our end of the perspective, and after the judgment has actually taken place, after the fall, after, after um, we recognize things, the first man and woman didn't know any of this. You know, they were in a garden where everything was what perfect and good so why did they think there was something nasty going on and they get they get tempted to disobey god and they do it so so god comes and he he judges the serpent for tricking them and, and issues a judgment of ultimately the serpent will be destroyed, but he says, in the meantime there's just going to be a constant war between you and mankind and that's part of the judgment and we, we have gotten to live with that ever since the woman got deceived and part of her the justice that took place, there, judgment there was that she was being put under rulership of her husband, that her desire would be towards it, and of course pain and childbirth, so um yeah I'll leave that where it is <laughs> and it's interesting ever since i mean if you if you actually track the bible in that in that area around the aspect of woman and you you see from the time of of that judgment and you track the bible, woman just got treated worse and worse and worse right through uh, that early start of the history of the bible and then it's really interesting when you see the early church. And again, we look at it from our perspective where, where women have been elevated a lot more than they were back then. But when you actually look at the early church, they did significant things for their society in actually elevating the value of women, going against what actually was the judgment that took place in the fall, trying to restore kingdom things. And, um, but it's, it's interesting, you know, it still makes the news today you know, the value of woman in society, it still makes the news today. And then a man chose to sin, and he, so his justice, or the judgment that was issued on him, was suffering and hardship. And today we still have to work hard to get what we need. We still have to toil and work hard. And justice means that there needs to be consequences for actions. And we absolutely believe the need for, for justice in it. And it, you know, there is aspects of judgment, but there's aspects of actually fighting when people are, are receiving injustice. You know, If we know of children who have no food to eat through no fault of their own, you know, our heart cries, we need to do something about that. You know, Anna works for an organization called Hagar that fights for, for people who are being, or women who are being trafficked because of poverty largely no fault of their own they're just in a situation they can't do anything about and you know, it's an aspect that we need to fight regarding the area of injustice and it goes on all sorts of things that, where injustice takes place that the church needs to stand up and fight for that as part of the kingdom however justice cuts two ways you know, when someone drives into the back of our car we want justice. When we drive into the back of someone else's car, we might want to sneak away without leaving our name, trying to get off it. But it cuts both ways. And sometimes we might see situations going on in this world and we think, where is the justice in that? And there is an ultimate day of judgment where all justice will be put right and revelation 20 talks about the great white right throne where every single person will stand before before god and be judged for what they've done and uh, for all those who haven't uh, actually received jesus and and received his forgiveness and had him pay the debt and have their names written in the lamb's book of life all those who haven't done that will end up being going into the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels and experience the rest of eternity was what they'd wanted for, being fully separated from God and experiencing the pain and the suffering that that comes from there. So there is an ultimate day where justice will be served for all mankind. So we need to understand what Uh, what justice has to actually take place and there will be people we need to fight for when injustice is incurred around their lives. But there's also things that we do that we realise actually there's consequences for the decisions and the choices we've made and there's things that we actually have to do about that and it's called repentance. Which is a real powerful tool that God has given us. Which includes restoration. Restoration. But if our focus is too skewed, if, if you know, I talked about how we can have a too big a focus in one area and not bring the other two in balance. So if our focus is too close, skewed on the area of justice, we can focus totally on social work and, and trying to deal with the here and now, and actually not be thinking about the internal work of the kingdom. And we can also get into situations where, because someone is in pain, we try to rescue them. And we don't let pain do its work. God has allowed us to feel pain so that we can actually get motivated to change. But we don't like seeing people feeling pain and so sometimes we'll try and rescue them and the pain hasn't actually done its work to get them to a point where they want to change. And for us, we need to understand that there are actually consequences for our actions and our decisions that we make. But, and we also need to fight for justice for those who have been robbed by the devil. If the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and we need to fight on people's behalf in that area. So the third thing that really brings, brings balance and love is mercy. And we pick it up from chapter 20. Adam named his wife Eve, which is the first time she's called Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Now, God revealed truth, he carried out justice, expressing his love, and now he's showing that he is a God of incredible mercy. He first of all he clothed Adam and Eve with skins. Where did the skins come from? From an animal. How did he get the skins? He sacrificed the animal. So God performed the first sacrifice on behalf of uh, mankind, so that the the some of the penalty was actually paid. And I suspect that the lamb, uh, the first animal that was sacrificed was probably a lamb, because a It's also speaking prophetically ahead of Jesus. That atonement is made through the sacrifice of blood and that Jesus ultimately will be the one that is sacrificed for our sins, that we can also have mercy applied to us. So God sacrifices the first animal. And then God's also stopped them from being able to go back into the garden and eat the tree from the... Fruit from the tree of life, because if they didn't, that potentially they could have lived for eternity, in places of pain and difficulty and hardship, and it, so it was to prevent them from going through eternity, experiencing that pain. But it, more importantly, if man continued to live for eternity, how would Jesus die on the cross? Is to create a frame where where. Uh, by preventing them from eating that tree of the knowledge of tree of life, then death must take place, and it meant that there is the opportunity for Jesus to die on the cross to take the penalty for all our sins. All starting to see coming right from this very first part of the story in the first three chapters of Genesis, and then incredibly, Adam names his wife Eve. Now they've received God's truth, they've received God's justice, and now they're receiving God's mercy. So Adam names his wife Eve, and Eve means, means life bringer. Now, when, when God came out of them, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he had said to them, surely on that day you will die. Adam is now prophetically saying, God has given us mercy and there is life ahead. Eve is the mother of life. And if you if you actually then look at the ju- judgment that was issued on the serpent, there, God said that you will actually bite his heel, but the offspring of Eve will crush your head, destroying your works, destroying who you are. Right at the start, prophesying, of the one that we are celebrating this Christmas, prophesying of the coming son, Jesus, the baby, destined to live a perfect life, grow up and be sacrificed for all the wrong things that we have done so that we can receive God's grace and mercy as well. Isn't that something worth celebrating this Christmas, friends? And again, with with grace and mercy, we can have too much focus on this area as well. And if we're doing that, we can tend to not really be worried about the things that we do, about right and wrong, about the consequence of actions. It doesn't matter what we do, we can be forgiven. It doesn't really motivate us to actually grow and to become more Christ-like. But what grace and mercy should do is bring us to a place of believing, receiving, and being empowered and being able to spread God's good news to others. The band wants to come up. God loves us with truth, justice, and grace. We see this, uh, the prophet Micah saying this in chapter 6, verse 8. He says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, which can represent truth, with your God. And as we come to Christmas, a time when we remember that God sent his son Jesus as a baby into our world, The baby that was prophesied way back in the third chapter of Genesis to come and be the savior of the world, to crush Satan's head and establish God's kingdom, a kingdom based on love. Listen to what the Apostle John wrote, he said in 1 John 3 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. In our places of work, our schools, our family, our sports clubs, our society, we can be on the front foot seeing God's kingdom advance by speaking the truth and love, by fighting for injustice, by showing mercy to those who wrong us and by spreading the good news about Jesus and the kingdom to all those that we meet.